Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host Alex Thuma and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. How are you? I am doing great. I know you're joining us from San Francisco right now. Um, and I want to start out by asking for those uh, who are watching who are not entirely familiar with all of the cool things that Front does, can you just give us a quick overview about what your company stands for and what you do? Of course. Um, well, what it stands for is all we want to do is we want to make sure that everyone at the company has the biggest impact they can have and the company themselves have the biggest impact they can have. And um, the way we, we started was by building a platform for customer communication. And so specifically what, we, what it means is that we bring together all your customer messaging apps. So, you know, email, live chat, anything you're using, your business applications, so Salesforce, GitHub. And then we bring your team right where work happens and the consequence of this is that everyone in your company can have an impact on delivering a better customer experience. So that's what we do. Fantastic. And I'm sure everyone watching is also feeling it too. We had so much noise at work even before the pandemic and all of this craziness started. Um, but right now, um, as uh, was pointed out in the introduction, remote workers almost seem to be working even more, working longer. It's harder to unplug. So I want to dive into just your founding story and just kind of work our way up to where we are now, just so we can pull out some lessons and some teachings there. So I want to go back to the start. Um, can you talk to me a bit about why you founded Front and what the idea was around it and what some of the problems and challenges you were hoping to solve? Of course. Well, it's a very nice story, which is I was um, raised in France uh, in, in a family where not a lot of people love their jobs and I was a happy kid and I didn't want to grow up and not enjoy what I would be doing every day. And so I thought, well, I'm going to start a company and I will make sure that it's a great place to work uh, so that I'm happy to come to work every day and hopefully others are as well. And then I want to work on a product that also change how people work. And as I've been thinking about, you know, what make people engaged at work, I think it boils down to people have an impact and people feel like they belong. And so then I've been willing to work on technology that would allow for both of these things to happen. So more impact, more of this feeling of belonging to a mission, to a team. Um, so, you know, very concretely, we started with email because it was the tool that people use the most to get work done and with customer communication, because at the end of the day, when you think about you know, why you're working, like whatever space you're in, you're working for your customers. And so, that's like we wanted to start, you know, at, at the heart of how work gets done. And, and that's why we, we started with this customer communication platform. And um, since then, like the, the mission hasn't changed and the problem we're trying to solve hasn't uh, changed. But what's for sure is, you know, in, in this crazy period of time, maybe what we do makes even more sense to companies and for a lot of reasons because bringing your team together in one place is even more important because communicating well with your customers is you know increasingly more important um, because they're struggling so you want to support them in, in in the best possible way because we built a you know a platform that's asynchronous versus synchronous and mm -hmm. so i think that reduces the noise that you were talking about 
Um, so these are the few, some of the few uh, reasons why um, I started this company with my co-founder and you know, that are, that are still true today. Fantastic. And can you talk to us a bit about what your work experience was like before you started Front and just kind of how you were feeling with all of the noise and the emails and the various digital pings you were getting from people? What was that like for you? Um, so my work experience before Front was super limited. I only worked for one year in a startup with five people that was doing a, a contract management software. And I guess my, like, I don't, I wouldn't say that my experience was frustrating at that point because of all the noise. I think it was frustrating because I was working out of um, tools that I thought were not designed for how work happened. So like I was using email and it felt to me that it was a tool that was, you know, great for me. It was my inbox, but anytime I wanted to collaborate with anyone else and specifically, you know, anytime a customer reached out, I had someone in the office tell me, did you reply to this person? And like, yes, of course, I'm not going to, you know, TCU and PCU and every single thing I'm doing. Um, and I think my frustration came more from the fact that, you know, the tools weren't adapted and that it felt like something was missing than the noise. Now, then I started a company and the company, you know, kept growing. And I think that's, the moment when I started realizing, and you know, I can I can tell you more about this. That um, that as companies grow, as you get more responsibilities, I think you will have more and more applications, more and more work. Um, I think it it was you know even worse in this environment now, and I think that's more throughout my journey that I noticed this more than you know before before starting front. Definitely. And I want to talk to you about some of your customer experiences. I'm wondering if you can share some concrete examples for us. I know, for instance, um, logistics customers are very important to Front right now. And logistics is obviously more important than ever. A lot of us are wondering where our packages are and just dealing with that new world. Um, what are some examples of how your customers are using this just to make their lives better? Yeah, well, you know, I could probably spend five hours because we have so many different customers using from for different use cases, but I can give you just a few examples. I think logistics is a good example because it's an industry where getting back on time to the person that's reaching out is absolutely critical because, and so many people are involved for, you know, getting a shipment to location A to location B, and it's even more critical right now. Um, and, and so it's true that one thing I didn't know when I started this company was, well, logistics companies actually have a ton of collaboration and a, tough, a ton of, you know, alignment is needed internally to make sure that you, um, you have more impact. And so that's one of the use cases we have. But really, you know, any, any company that deeply values their customers and want to provide a better customer experience um, is a good fit. So, for example, you know, uh, the Shopify account management team has been a customer since we pretty much started the company. And so for all their communication with their uh, highest paying customers, they've been using Front. But then we have also a lot of companies that will, comp that will deploy uh, Front company-wide. So, you know, you take uh, Balena, Sutter, Pana, like these are a few companies where, you know, they might have between 100 and 500 people in their company. And what they want is they want to make sure that uh, everyone can feel internally that they are connected to the customer in some ways and that they, can, they have a team they can lean in. So these would be three examples of use cases, um, but I'm sure you could be a customer as well. 
I'm sure. And I want to ask you, though, because um, I'm curious about what it's like if I'm on the other side and I'm working at a company that uses fronts. What is that shared inbox experience like for employees? Can you kind of explain to us and help us visualize how it works? Of course. Well, if you are working in a company that's using front, first of all, you have access to all the communication that you need to have access to. So, for example, you know, for me, I have access to anything that's support related, anything that's success related, anything that's um, you know finance related, any NPS review, any tweets that's being sent, any you know live chat. That's, so, I have access to it. The, the second thing is my team is right there, so I'm always one mention away. So I can you know I have an email from whatever, like, for example, you know, you send me an email with some questions for today, and I can just start a discussion with, um, with our head of PR, and she can give me guidance on you know, maybe other questions you, you could ask. But in the context of, you know, customer communication, well, a customer reaches out, and usually what's going to happen is you want to loop in maybe someone from finance, someone from products, someone from sales engineering, some, like, their account manager. Um, all of that is possible. And then the, the other thing is you want to make sure that you have the context of before replying to whoever you're replying to. So whether you want to look at, you know, what's happening in Salesforce, what's happening in GitHub, like what's happening, like, you know, uh, for a given piece of communication, you know, all the, the items related to that person or the context or the history. And that allows people to understand the why and that allows them to, uh, one, be more engaged and two, uh, better answers. Definitely. And as a founder, how do you manage all of the noise you're dealing with? Do you turn off notifications or limit screen time? Can you walk us through just some of your top tips for reclaiming your life outside of work as well? Well, I do a lot of things and I believe that it's never one thing uh, because it, there are so many ways we can <clears throat> uh, we can be impacted by this noise. So I, I'll tell you some of the most impactful things I've done. Um, the first one is I don't have any notification on my desktop. So it's like, it's very simple when, you know, I was, uh, doing this, uh, setup so that we could chat and someone says, well, I'll turn off your notification. Well, I don't have notifications. That's pretty easy. Number two is I don't have any app on my phone. So what it means is any business apps. So, I, uh, what it means is when I'm not working at my computer, well, I'm not working. And I think that's a really healthy thing because although it can seem scary the first time you do it, um, the consequence of it is either you're working or you're not working, but you're not half working mm -hmm. all the time. And for all the people that are scared to try it, I would say now, like time of, you know, working from home is so great to try it because when, you know, when we're not working from home, maybe you might be scared that um, you would receive something very important and you're not close to your computer. Well, now you're always close to your computer. So I would just encourage everyone to delete their business apps for uh, maybe a week and you'll see that it's right. in Sims. <laughs> um, so that's another example of, uh, of, of something I do. But, you know, at the end of the day, one of the, uh, one of the thing is um, also making sure that you have the discipline um, to dedicate some time for work and sometimes for not work. And um, I think it's something that has been very valuable to me and, and valuable in this environment even more than three months ago, because, um, you know, as was shared a few minutes earlier, I think one thing that people really struggle with is this boundary between home and work when it's actually in the same place. And so, again, very concretely, what I do is 
I start the day and I can tell you right now that I will stop working at 6.30 today. And that way, you know, I know I could at 6.30 you know, do many other things. I also know that I will have a one hour lunch break where I will not be close to my computer. And I know that this weekend I will not be working. Um, and, you know, uh, actually we, we gave uh, Freda off to, um, to part of the team because I think it's, again, even harder today to, to have this um, this work-life balance. Um, so these are just you know three examples of uh, things. Uh, obviously, obviously, there are there are many more. I mean, do you ever worry that you're missing out though? How do you deal with that anxiety? I know setting boundaries are important, but does anything ever creep into your mind during your off hours? Well, so creep into my mind for sure. Like you know, I don't control my mind as well as you know deciding what's going to come or not come. But maybe two things on this. Um, the first one is one of the things that has been most helpful like ever in my journey um, has been to start meditating. And you know, like the first time I meditated, I remember it really well. I was like, okay, I'm going to do that for 10 minutes with headspace. And I tried. And first, I thought it was so boring. Two, I was like, do I feel more relaxed after or do I feel better? Like, not really. It was simply boring. And then I started understanding that meditation is actually a muscle you train to have more headspace. And it's not something that will change your life overnight, but people who manage to keep consistent uh, you know, meditation practices will all tell you that has been, that's been a game changer. And so like, that's one thing that I, like still today, like every day I wake up and the first thing I do is I go upstairs and I meditate for 10 minutes and I basically do same meditation um and, and i think that has given me the headspace and so you know when a thought arrives and i'm not working well at least maybe before i was like ah, i don't know what to do with the thought it's fair <laughs> mine and now it's like okay well it's one thing i need to deal with and i will uh, I'll deal with it um the other thing is the fear of missing out is yeah of course like people will think about the fear of missing out and that will be the first reason why they would not try something like what i'm doing but mm -hmm. it's been three years probably since I've started these practices. And there's never been one moment when, you know, I've missed out in a sense that I have a phone with me, like people in my team uh, have my phone number. And um, if they need to call me or if they need to text me, I will look at my phone. And, and yes, there's been urgent things happening and, you know, two, I don't know, a year and a half ago, I was on my honeymoon and I told people, I don't want to work. And I was super clear and something happened. And so I, like someone called me and it was great, you know, because I handled it and then I was back. Um, so I think it's a, it's a fear that will only be removed if you actually try it. And if you set expectations with your team that that's how you work and that you have other uh, means to reach out. And I can tell you that your team will really not text you and call you as often as you think they will. And how do you build that culture among your team though? Do you really feel like it starts with leading by example or are there any other ways that you've been able to grow a culture like that? Because it's so hard to get started. It sounds almost scary or daunting. Um, I know at least to me to think I would delete all of my business apps off my phone. 
Well, so first of all, it's not like it's not a mandatory thing when you join front. Uh, so, but yes, leading by example is one way. Like you know, making sure that you take PTO and you set expectations with your team that you will not be working. Um, giving examples of practices that you have that really change your um, day to day. But so that's one. Two is there are actually things that you can do at a company level to um, incentivize people to do this if uh, if you think that's good for them. And so some examples would be, you know, I, like the first time I started uh, removing my apps, I actually did a contest and, you know, I told people that like, this is the challenge who wants to do that with me. Um, it was even more hardcore. It was like removing your apps, but also being in uh, black and white, like grayscale on your iPhone. So that's really, you know, but anyway, so I, I think that we did that. And then, you know, we start, we started, um, implementing new health and wellness benefits um, if you spend less than uh, a number of hours per week on your phone or per day on your phone because I don't think anyone would argue that the you know the more time you spend the happier you are I think it's um, pretty much I think if you spend too much time you're definitely less happy so I think it's a combination of both I think it's leading by example but I think there there are also a lot of challenges or processes or practices that you can mm -hmm. implement and then all you know every new hire that joins front will start with an onboarding session in which uh different leaders talk about different things but the one i do i talk about about this i talk about you know the fact that um you should always prioritize your happiness and you should always prioritize your family and your friends and you can only be bring your best self to work if you're first a happy human being and a balanced human being and it doesn't mean everything will be perfect but we should, you know, I share examples of, you know, how I got to understanding this and, how, and why it's important for, uh, mm -hmm. for me that people think, think about this. It's like, it's just a job at the end of the day. Yeah. And what is your advice for product managers or founders when it comes to thinking about how to build the, how, how you will build these moments of quiet or focus into products? How should people go about approaching that or what questions should they be asking themselves as they pre prepare to launch something? Well, I, I think there are two different things. There is like what every individual can do. And so as a leader, what you can do to help every individual have more quiet in their life, you know? And um, these are some examples that I shared and, you know, in maybe um, during that time period, like what can you do as a founder to make sure that people actually take some time off when like, there is nothing to do. So why would you take some time off yet? Yet it's important for your brain. I think that's one thing. And then the other thing is when you're building a product, how can you make sure that the product you're building is not just bringing more noise? But mm -hmm. I don't think that that applies to every product that's being you know, created in the world. Like we're building a communication product and email is one of the big channels that arrive in this product. And so for us, it's super important to think about, you know, how are we going to make sure that this is not yet another tool, this is not more noisy than the world is already. Um, and, and so then we can think, well, you know, what are some features that we can design? What do we believe in? Uh, but I wouldn't say that every product manager can necessarily think about this because mm -hmm. what's true for you know, a communication platform that'd be true for every um, every product in the world. Definitely. And another thing I want to ask you, um, I was interested to find out that Stuart Butterfield from Slack is one of your investors. 
Um, Slack has been billed in the past as kind of an email killer, yet Front is all about email. Can you talk to us about the role of both of those in the workplace and just kind of your vision there? Of course, and I think you know, everyone would agree that uh, even if even if Slack says email is dead, like they're still using email on Slack, like they communicate with their customers, with their candidates. Um, so I think I can tell you how I think about the difference between you know Slack and, and Front. So the first thing is I think you know, no one can say that you can only use Slack in order to communicate, and um, the reason being is in order to use Slack, you need the other person to use Slack. And so when you talk with your leads, with your customers, with your partners, with candidates, with your investors, and so like these people will use their own tools and uh, usually you'll communicate with them through email or other communication channels. And so one very easy way to describe Front and Slack could be, well, Slack is good for internal communication and Front is good for external communication. But I think it's slightly uh, more nuanced than this. I think where Front really thrive is for everything that's asynchronous. So, you know, I, like I'm reaching out even to someone internally and I don't need a response right away. Like if I'm going to send you a message asking you, you know, what's, uh, PTO are you thinking for July 4th or whatever like if I'm if I'm sending this message on Slack it's disruptive to you because the expectation is you should reply right away because otherwise you'll receive more messages and then and 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 I do believe that in this world where you know the temptation is to you know the, to use the tools that are most convenient I think like doing this is not always the best for the employee experience and the, and the human experience and so that's why we distinguish like asynchronous like what's urgent and i need to send you a slack message because if you said we would have lunch today and you're late or someone is at the door and wants to or like the app is down i need to tell you like all of this is like urgent like i should uh, like i should use a synchronous platform uh, but for the rest i think although it might be convenient for me to send you a slack message it's not the best for you and so that's why um, having asynchronous communication platforms may be better. That makes sense. So with the few minutes we have left, I want to shift gears to the future of work. Um, I know a lot of companies are trying to figure out what's next while we're all working from home. Who goes back to the office? Who doesn't? Um, I know some people are deciding they want to move to a new city. Um, everything is in flux. Um, yes. So I would just love to get your thoughts about what work life will look like in the future. And do you think everyone will be going back to the offices they worked in uh, last March? Yeah, well, I don't have a crystal ball and I think it's hard, but I can tell you a few, you know, a few things that I, I, believe, I believe will remain true. The first one is, you know, everything that's been happening in the past few weeks um, and a lot has been happening. It's not just COVID, but has really helped us put things in perspective. And I think that's a really good thing. And I think it is so shocking that um, that, that will remain. And I think, you know, people understand that work is important. And I think they understand it in this context even more because that can be um, really healthy to, you know, have a job and be focused on your work and then, you know, have a life outside of work and then be focused on this. Uh, but, but I do believe that one thing that will remain is the fact that people will understand that, you know, work is not everything. Like there are, you know, so many things that can happen in the world that 
you know, are truly tough. And, um, and these are things that, you know, we need to pay attention to. And um, so that's one thing that I think will, like, I'm, I'm really hopeful that that will remain and that will bring healthier relationships to work. Um, number two is, I also believe that, you know, people have both benefited and not benefited from our from home. So I like, in a sense that there are parts of it that are definitely amazing. And I think that uh, pretty much anyone that wants to work from home will be able to work from home. And even if it means a few days a week, like that will be possible. I think they also understand that, you know, having some office time and, you know, time where you can actually see someone is enjoyable. And so um, my what I think will happen is there will be way more balance where, you know, you don't need to be like entirely remote and like there is no office, like some companies will do that and I think it will be great. Uh, but I also think that a lot of companies will, you know, organize their communication and their teams and their processes so that you can actually take, like make the most out of the work from home time that you've enjoyed, but at the same time, not lose the benefits of having coworkers and being able to interact with them. And definitely to forefront, like we didn't have a work from home policy, we didn't hire remote people before, and for sure it's gonna change. And, you know, like we will just have to make sure that we have rules and processes in place to do it in the most efficient uh, way for, for everyone, for people that are working from home and for people that are in the office. Um, but yeah, and, and, I, and, I, and then the last thing is, I think work-life balance was such a challenge during this time period because mm -hmm. of everything we talked about. And I, I think that it forced people to really be deliberate about making this distinction between I'm working, I'm not working. Um, and like, you know, nothing is done, meaning everyone has still work to do on this, but I, I think that that's also a trend that will, um, that we'll see and, and I think leaders will pay more attention to it. Definitely. And what are you most proud of if you had to pick out one thing, uh, whether it's something you've learned, something you've done over the past few years as you've built out your company and worked with customers and tried to really make a positive impact and cutting down on the noise? Um, maybe two things. One is, you know, when I started writing, so I, I write a lot, I have a, you know, medium and then I write on um, other platforms, but like I didn't understand that so many people were benefiting from a lot of the things that I've been writing, either about work-life balance or about, you know, just publishing everything we do at front, all our, you know, decks from series A, series B, series C are public. And I think when I, like, I'm very proud when, you know, when people tell me that that's helping. But I think the thing that I'm most proud of is when our employees tell me that um, they're happy, we have a really uh, high internal NPS, um, mm -hmm. we have really low attrition. And I think um, when people tell me, well, you know, thanks for creating a place where I'm excited to go back to work after my PCO. And then when we have customers that uh, tell us, well, you know, we, we couldn't have achieved what we've achieved as a business without France, I think these are the two things I'm the most proud of. Fantastic. And finally, as we wrap up, I just want to remind everyone watching uh, that Mathilde had a great idea for a challenge earlier. Now is the time to delete those business apps off your phone. One week, right? Just give it a try. Give it a try.
it's All right. well, green still. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us and for the great discussion. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And shout out for Alison Newcomb, the tech reporter from NBC News. And today, I didn't mention, at the, mention you at the top of the talk. You did a brilliant interview. Thank you so much for that. Thank um, you. <laughs> you're welcome. Merci beaucoup, Mathilde. C'était très bon, très intéressant. Et uh, merci beaucoup pour tout. Hein? I hope you come mm -hmm. back and spend time with us. Can I ask you a question before I move on to the next one? Um, I of love. Course. I love, by the way, the way you separate so completely your, your life and, and your work. And it's interesting that as a child, you saw other people working unhappily and you decided you were going to hold on to your happiness. I'm wondering if that will be a motivation, actually, I hope it is, for those who are between things here in the pandemic. One question for you. Um, we, you know, in the past, we had this old trope of going into offices and seeing what's not automated or seeing what's been done and, and finding ways to do it faster, cheaper, to do it more efficiently. Um, it seems to me that Front is, is, is in the business of not just making work more efficient, but actually making work better, uh, you know, making the experience of, of work better. Do you think that's something that could uh, ramp up as a result of this, uh, of this pandemic, where really we need a lot more empathy if we're going to be able to get in and, and, and get our businesses up and running again in some cases? Do you feel that we should really be looking to do more than make work more effective and more efficient? Um, I believe so. And I think, you know, it will be hard for me to answer this question in, uh, in just a few seconds. But I, I do believe that the empathy we can have towards you know, everything happening in the world towards our co-workers has increased. And, you know, I'm, I think I'm a very empathetic person. Yet, like, you know, I've been challenged during this period of time to deeply understand how the company could best support our customers and our employees. So I think that's true. I think number two is you know, the focus on efficiency, you're right. Like efficiency for the sake of efficiency is just a short-term optimization. Like at the end of the day, what you care about is you want your team to be engaged to have an impact. That's what you, you're doing. And I think just focusing on efficiency can miss the bigger picture. Like you can have you know, people being very efficient, but the problem is if they're not the most engaged, then they, they, they might not do their best work. They are efficient. If they don't have the context they need to do it, well, at a point they'll be bored and it won't make sense. So yes, I, I definitely think so. Okay, that's brilliant. Mathilde, thank you so much. And thank you very much, Alisa. Appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you at the next SAS Talk event, I hope. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SAS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SASDOC conferences around the world.